Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Pastor Glenn. Fantastic. Well, it is nice to be here. Uh, difficult days for, for Christchurch and for New Zealand, but uh, we, uh, we love uh, Pastor Glenn and Pastor Debbie. They are amazing. They are legends in our nation along with the Frews, so, and the whole church thrive is so well thought of uh, around the nation. Well, uh, I happen to be here today, and Glenn said maybe uh, we could talk about something, uh, we'd change our message because of the circumstances. And so, um, you know, <clears throat> this might help some, this may not, if you're not in the space where it helps uh, you know, I'm sure the Lord's going to speak to you some other way, but let's have a look at this. So in Genesis chapter 6, uh, it says this, verse 5, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it grieves me that I've made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Today's a, a sad day for New Zealand and for Christchurch because of the atrocities uh, of the week. It's a sad day, actually, for all people because beyond uh, our race and beyond our culture and our beliefs, all human beings, of course, are made by our Father. Uh, he made all people to be able to have a hope and an expectation that they would grow old with their wife, with their husband, and see their children grow up. And so we can say, yes, we are a brotherhood of men. Uh, every person uh, killed on Friday is uh, one of our lost brothers, one of our lost sisters, if not by second birth, at least because we are fellow human beings. So we're shocked and we're stunned, really. At what has happened, and we uh, the, we were having a pastors meeting in Hagley Park on Double Tree at, at the time. We're probably taking photographs uh, at the end of the meeting. Around about 1:40, we never heard a thing, and when we left the meeting, we were only told that we had to go right instead of left because of the of the lockdown. But the fact is that the spirit of of murder and terror makes no distinction between Christians who are killed in America or in uh, India. One of my friends was recently killed, uh, or Muslims in Karachi or Christchurch. Uh, it doesn't make no difference to him. The Bible tells us that mankind has an enemy. To satisfy his demand for human blood, he has orchestrated wars, spawned conflicts and murders throughout the ages in every continent. And so I guess today we feel numb, we feel uh, sad, but it, uh, probably if we're honest, we're sort of a little glad it wasn't a church this time. Because that would up bring up a lot more questions uh, than we want to think about today. Probably today, for some believers, it triggers, again, feelings of being unsafe, maybe powerless. But for some of us who uh, have are able to move into that space, it does bring up issues and sort of make us think about what is God doing at this time and what should our response be. So in Genesis 6... It says here that God makes man to live in harmony and peace, but man turns to wickedness. And as the earth is filled with evil, God is grieved by the violence and sin and the crimes against mankind. And eventually, 
he decides that judgment must come. But always God's judgment waits on mercy. And so God looks for a man. He finds a man, Noah. His name means literally a resting place. And he tells him to build an ark to save all of those who would enter into the ark. And so Jesus, you remember, said this in uh, Matthew. He said, as it wasn't in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. And so Jesus is saying that the last days will be like the days of Noah. There will be great violence. There will be wickedness on the earth. But God is building an ark. Today, violence and sin against one another, as of old, still grieves the heart of God. And just as in the days of Noah, God permitted the evil and wickedness for a season long enough for the ark to be built and completed just for the last passenger to board. So we can say straight away today that God's heart is grieved at the wickedness, the darkness increases on the earth, and we know that God's saddened. But we also know that Noah is prophetic of a man who is building an ark. Jesus is building an ark. Him and his brothers, him and his sons and daughters are building an ark for the salvation of the world. And that happened even as the evil continued. What I want to say today is this, that God's permission of evil, even though he permitted evil, he was building an ark, and even though he permitted evil, he was grieved by it. And we shouldn't confuse the fact of God's permission of evil as his will. People did evil. It was not God's will. Some will ask, well, how come God allows wickedness at all or even tragedy? Because it's not just Muslims that experience tragedy. It is Christians. Uh, it is, uh, it is um, you know, not just believers, uh, not just Muslims who are, who are shot, but believers around the world too. And some in earthquakes, as you know, believers' houses fell along with unbelievers. Um, Ten years ago, my son was was in Elam Christian School, and uh, his class was, uh, he, left, he, left, uh, he left there to go to Manure High School at the end of the sixth form, and his seventh form class, which he was no longer in because he shifted, was the class that went caving or, or mountain climbing in Mount Ruapehu, you might remember. And so uh, as the uh, class was, uh, as his class was up the ravine, uh, you remember the rain came down and, and washed the children away. Many of them died. Um, and so it was a little bit like yesterday, people were glued to the TV as the thing unfolded, trying to work out what on earth had happened. And as we remember the story, some of the believers, some of the young people, you know, cried out, they're all, they're all Christians, they would have all prayed and said, God save me. And some were saved and some weren't. It's hard to explain to believers and to parents. Um, there's a man called Helmut Thaliki, says this, when you look through magnifying glass, a magnifying glass, the fabric is sharp and in focus in the center, but it's blurred at the edges. Can you imagine that? That's sort of, you know, you get it focused in the center, but because of the way the glass is, it still goes blurry on the edges. However, we know the edges are okay because we've seen the center. And life's a little bit like that. There are many edges in life that are blurred because... Uh, you know, that, that, that seem out of focus and hard to understand. But because we've seen the center, which is the cross, the greatest demonstration of God's love for mankind, we can accept that the edges, even though we can't understand it, even though they are blurry, uh, will also be focused by God's love as well. You know, we're not left to judge the goodness of God 
by the peripheral things we don't understand, but by the things we know. Uh, you know, what it's saying is it's impossible for mere men to understand God's mind, but we can trust His character when we cannot understand our circumstances. And these circumstances are very difficult to understand. But one thing we do know is that while evil is permitted, it's not in God's will. There are some believers that believe that God's sovereignty means that He's in control of everything, that He causes everything, He, 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 uh, he plans everything, that everything happens according to God's will. Um, so in my son's class's case, that means that he planned for them to go to the mountain, he planned for them to go up that river at the time, and he planned for the rain to fall, and he planned for them to be washed away. Now, I don't subscribe to that. Uh, I don't think uh, that's an extreme view, I think, as a, uh, for a believer to have. That means that, but, but what we believe is that God being sovereign doesn't mean that He is making everything happen that happens. God is not behind the murder, the rapist. He doesn't inspire the planner the, on the plotter of tragedy, uh, murders in mosques. He doesn't plan that. In fact, there are many things that happen that are not God's will. God is not willing that any should perish. Many perish. God's will, the Bible tells us, is that for people to live holy and avoiding immorality, but many don't. So this mystery is solved in the New Testament by two Greek words. The first one is, uh, is thelema, and in this verse it says in Ephesians, wherein he has abounded toward us in wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. So that is a purpose. We're going to call that his decreed will. It will happen. He does plan it. Nothing can stop it. It's his decreed will, thelema. Then there's another word used for will in the Bible, bolema, and it's speaking of God's desire. God is not willing that any should perish. It's His desire, but it's not His decree. He wants everybody to be saved, but not everybody is. He doesn't force that to happen. So that is His desired will. And thirdly, there are things in the Bible that are not His will at all. Some theologians would call it permitted will. So there is the decreed will, the desired will, and then there is the permitted will. But a better way of looking at the permitted will is to say it's not His will at all, but it is God's uh, working around the sinfulness of creation and sin in creation. Like the fall of man was not God's plan, was not His will, but He, uh, he, he, he allowed it, and now He's going to work around it. The evil of Noah's day, not God's will, but He worked around it. Israel wandering in the wilderness... This was his permitted, frustrated will. God wanted them to enter the land. They didn't, but God works around it. The, in, the evil, the rebellion, the sinfulness of mankind. And some of us are saying, well, how come he even allows people to choose evil? Most of you know that God loves us too much to force us to act the way he wants, that God gives us choice and free will as an act of his love. Uh, freedom of choice is a, is a necessary risk that God had to take. He won't demand us to worship. He won't command us and force us to worship, neither does He force us and command us not to sin. We are free. Uh, fr this is God's dilemma. Shall I make people good? Shall I make them morons? Shall I give them free choice? Shall I command them to do and act in a certain way? Or shall I make them free? And He decided, I will make them free. Even animals have a choice to do what they want. Surely, a noble creature such as human beings, have to have that at least. So he gives all men a free choice. They are free to yell or to sing, to stand or sit, to stroke, to hit, 
to buy flowers, to buy guns. We are just free. But God warns us and he says, you are free, but you are responsible. So he doesn't leave us unwarned. He shouts like wisdom in the streets. Proverbs 4, he doesn't, he doesn't stop, he doesn't step in and stop people's actions, but he does warn us beforehand. He doesn't come and hide the keys of a drunk man about to go home to his family, but he's already said, don't get drunk with wine. Uh, he, he doesn't come to a boy and a girl in the backseat of a car and, and make him utterly sick, but he has said, don't commit fornication. He has said, he doesn't come and dissolve a credit card of a man who's wasting his family's money, but he has said, don't go into debt. So, so he, doesn't, he doesn't intervene, he doesn't interfere with the freedom of ourselves or others who can affect us. He doesn't interfere with our will or hide our car keys, but he has warned us. Often he doesn't interfere with the freedom of others. Well, he doesn't. Others who affect us. So the bad choices of others are responsible for so much suffering in the world today. Buildings in the city collapse because of poor engineering. The innocent, the young boy on the way to school is run over by the stupid actions of a young man. He, he doesn't interfere in the laws of physics. He doesn't push every car back on the road that's about to spin out and hit a pole. He doesn't cushion every rugby boy or kid falling from a trike. He doesn't overrule, overrule generally the law of physics for believers or non-believers. He doesn't stop every person from dangerous activities, risky ventures, from people taking drugs or risk. If he did, we would become stupid. We would drive recklessly. We would spend stupidly. We would treat people badly. God says, what I want you to do is learn the law of wisdom and how to live within in regard to the laws of life. So God accommodates the sin of man, the brokenness of creation. He makes and permits us to be able to make choices that affect others and yourself, but he's not happy. The Bible says he's grieved. The Bible says he's grieved. He's in pain. He is the God who suffers. He knows rejection. He knows abuse. God is constantly taken for granted. He's constantly sworn at and ignored. People say, well, why do the innocent suffer? They forget God is innocent and he suffers. Jesus was innocent. He suffered for us. The Bible says God is, is angry. The Bible says, Proverbs 7, that God is angry with the wicked every day. It's possible to love us intensely and still be angry. And God is. You know you've done it to yourself. You've done something stupid. You've done something foolish and you're angry at yourself. I could have done better. That was beneath me. That wasn't who I am. And God, every time we do something wrong and every time sinners do something stupid, it makes God angry because he knows we aren't born for that. He knows we're created for something way, way better. But you know, in spite of all the craziness, the cruelty of Noah's day, God had a plan to save mankind. He found, he man, he found this man called Noah, said, build me an ark for the saving of the household. And all those came to him and all the children of his built and preached to all, and those that some, that some mocked him, but some came from afar to be saved in the ark. And of course, Jesus today, with his brothers, with his daughters and sons, are building the ark. And though many will refuse to come, God is drawing the unlikely to the door. In your street, in your workplace, your school, the uni, the club, or the pub, 
the mosque. There are many that God's drawing, and some have come from a long way, like the immigrants. And we need to help, help get them ready to enter the door, because in the, in the midst of great evil, God has given us an open door to love and minister to Muslim neighbors, which we haven't had before. I don't think there's been in the nation and in our time a chance when Muslim and mainstream have embraced each other and never has been more openness to reach out. I was telling Glenn yesterday afternoon, I was preparing this and it was time for coffee, so I went downtown and I was going to go to cream because, cream something because Ellen said that was the best. Um, but it, I looked in the door and it had wooden seats and I didn't want to sit in the hard seat, so I carried on. And I thought, well, I know the coffee thing on the corner will be right, and it was full of people, so I said, oh, I'll carry on. Anyway, I got to the end of the street, and I'd gone past them all, so I turned around and came back, and I thought, I'll just then go to Artisan, which I wasn't going to go to because I had breakfast there. But I went in there, and, um, and I met a, a young Muslim lady there. She was serving some people, and I just talked to her. And, uh, and uh, she was willing to talk. She was asking how I was doing, and I said, oh, I'm doing fine. And she, she says, well, you know, my, my brother... My brother's father-in-law got shot yesterday. She said, I was at uni. My father always, I was worried because my father always goes to pray at, on Fridays. Um, but he rang and said he was okay, but my brother's father-in-law was shot twice. So we had a little talk, and on the way out, I, I, and I said, oh, I said, do you know, uh, are you the only Muslim family in Rangiora? And she says, as far as I know. And so her name's Miriam, so maybe... Someone needs to just go down and, and say hello and, and follow her up and see what she can do for her brother. But um, it was uh, it was an, uh, but apart from the from the disaster, apart from the tragedy, that probably wouldn't have happened. I probably wouldn't have said anything. Why would I? Why would we talk? Why would we ever try to? So God has opened a door for us to do something, and 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 usually it's more than just talking uh, that is required. Uh, you know, years ago I was working in the Ministry of Works, uh, Manukau City Council. And uh, there was this Chinese lady there, and I talked to her about Jesus. I told her about, I, I just witnessed to her all the time about the Lord, and she didn't seem to be inspired at all. And so, but one day I heard her telling somebody that uh, her clothesline had broken, you know, the wires that go around the clothesline. And so I said, oh, I'll come and fix it. I'll put a new wire on for you. And so I, uh, so I turned up, put this new wire on her clothesline the next Sunday she was in church. The Bible says that uh, by your good... Actually, I, have, I forgot the reference, but years ago I preached this message about the dynamite of good works. Uh, there is something in the New Testament that says what words can't do, good works can do. It shifts things. It breaks things in people's lives. And so maybe we have to do something more than just uh, good work this week or prayer this week, but maybe it needs to be something that is ongoing. Because these are strangers, and you know God loves strangers? He loves strangers. And he said in the Old Testament to Abraham, he says, Abraham was a stranger, an immigrant from Canaan. He says, here I am, a stranger and a foreigner among you. Israel was an immigrant from, from Egypt. And Deuteronomy says, so you too must show love to foreigners because you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. And the Bible says that we are immigrants. In Hebrews, it says that we are strangers, immigrants passing through on our way to heaven, which is our true land. So God has a great heart for the stranger, for the immigrant, because we are all immigrants. We're all emigrating. We're all on our way to heaven. We're passing through. And today's a, 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 immigration is a global issue. Some people love it. Some people think it's not good. But I think, as a mission man says, God has given us this opportunity through immigration, which is happening all around the world, for the gospel to reach people that we could never otherwise reach. 
You know, in the, in the Western world, or not from the Western world, there is, uh, there is three missionaries to every Muslim, every, mil, uh, every million, uh, million Muslims around the world. So there is three missionaries for every million Muslims that are gone out because it's hard for them to work. But here we have the opportunity of many believers for one Muslim. So God has made it possible for us to reach them as he brings them here. You know what I think? I think uh, I want to tell you a little story about uh, what we did with our church. Um, we say, what's the evidence of being filled with the Spirit? Most of us have a little uh, idea about that. The Bible says this, that when Jesus came out of the wilderness, he was in the power of the Spirit. The first thing he did was choose disciples. He started preaching and making disciples. Returned in the fullness of the Spirit. The Bible says, Jesus said, you wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high to be my witnesses. And as soon as they were filled with the Spirit, they began to preach and make disciples. The evidence maybe of being filled and, filled and filled with the power of the Spirit is not feeling goosebumps. It's not having gifts of healing, perhaps, but it's making disciples, and we can all be involved. Years ago, I said to the church, put up your hand if you've got a disciple, if you're making a disciple. And, and there was this forest of no hands. And, uh, and I says, well, something's wrong, because Jesus said, the last thing he said before you, he left the planet, he says, I want you to go and make disciples of all people. And I says, how come we're of a church like you, like 300 people? I says, how come amongst us all there's no one who's doing what Jesus said, make a disciple? And so I challenged them and I challenged myself. And I, I used to go to India. I go there many times, been there many times. And I tried to learn Punjabi a, li a little bit so I know a, a few words. So I said, I better lead from the front. So I was driving down the road and there was this young Punjabi guy because we've got lots of Punjabis in our town now. And I, and I so I wound down the window and I said, oh, that's Rakal. I said, Tuhad Tiaki Hale. And uh, which is hopefully he understood as being, how are you doing? And even if he didn't understand it, he knew I was trying to say something. And so he came over and had a little talk or whatever. Now I followed that boy up. I took him home uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, was, I made him my disciple. Because Jesus made disciples before they were saved. You know that. And so I spent time with him. I took him from house to house when he shifted house. I carried him half drunk through the streets of Otara. Uh, and everybody's saying, who is that white guy carrying that Indian boy? You know, what is, what's going on there? I shifted his furniture from another town. Uh, I went to, uh, it cost me a fortune in Texas. He was telling me all those troubles with him and his wife. And then I tried to, and I helped him because he didn't know how to, you know, do the, the sign-up thing and a new rental and, and uh, did his power thing and showed him how to do that and all that sort of stuff. It was a lot of work. It cost me a little bit of money. But I was making a disciple. And you can't do it by saying, Jesus loves you as you drive past and hand out you know, attract, probably. So we just have to get involved. You know, um, we need to pray for the Muslims. We need to pray, as Pastor Debbie said, that their eyes are open to see Jesus. Most of them pray without hope. Most of them pray constantly and never believe God hears them and never believes that they are really loved or precious at all to God. And so we can pray they have visions and dreams, as was said. Let's do our part to fill the ark. Yes, there's, 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 there's evil, there's grievous harm in the world, God's, but God is raising uh, a man, Jesus, with his sons and daughters who's building an ark. Let's, and, and I think God's giving us a part and a chance to do our part to fill the ark.
More Muslims have been saved in the last 14 years than in the last 1,400 years. God is changing hearts. What is God up to in Christchurch? The story is told in 2 Kings of a lady whose husband died and the creditor was coming to take her sons. Elisha the prophet said, what shall I do? What have you got? Well, I've got nothing but a jar of oil. And he said, go and, and borrow vessels from everywhere. Don't gather just a few. And so she and, says, uh, and, sh and he said, pour oil into the vessels. And it came to pass when all the vessels were full that he said to his son, bring me another vessel. And he said, there isn't any more vessels. So the oil ceased. And Elijah the prophet said, sell the oil, pay the debt, and live off the rest. You know, Elijah came to the widow. And he said, fill the vessels with oil. And the first thing you do is pay the debt. And then live off the rest. On the great day of Pentecost, the oil flowed from heaven into every waiting vessel and every vessel since. And the cry of the Lord is pay the debt, pay the debt, and live off the rest. Sometimes we, we live on all of it and we don't pay the debt. Sometimes it takes all of the Spirit of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, just to get through the day. Well, I use all the anointing of the Spirit of God He gave me, poured into my life on the day I got filled with the Holy Ghost, just to get through another day just to lead well at life group, just to get on with my wife, just to stop yelling at my kids. I sort of use all the power of the Holy Ghost just to get, just to live, just to live on, but I never get around to paying off the debt. Paul said this in Romans 14, he says, I'm a debtor. He says, I'm a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, and as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. Paul says, I'm a debtor to the world. He says, I'm a debtor to the Jew, to the Greek, to the barbarian, to the rich, to the poor, to the Muslim, to the unbeliever, I'm a, uh, to the Roman. He says, I'm a debtor to the world. He says, I have received so much from God. I've had the Spirit of God, life of Christ poured out into my life. I've been given heaven's riches. I'm full of heaven's riches, and I feel like I'm in debt to the world. I've got answers. I've got power. I know something that others don't know. I'm a debtor to those who have nothing to the people in the pub and the club, my whole far now, to Muslims, to people that are lost. I'm just a debtor to them, Paul said. And that's the reason the oil fills the vessels. That's the reason for Pentecost, friend. So we can pay a debt. So we can pour out our oil to pay a debt because we have been given so much. Ephesians says this, redeem the time for the days are evil. Like in the days of Noah, the days are evil. But God says, redeem the time. Redeem, that means to buy back. It means to pay a price. It means to take something valuable and pay the debt. Every day, tomorrow, this week, we're going to have a chance in these evil days to redeem every day. And what God is saying here is if we will pay the debt, if we will take something valuable of the Spirit of God and the oil of the love of God in our life and pay the debt, we redeem that day. Every day we pour out and pay the debt to reach a lost person redeems that day. And they're stacked up in heaven, friend. But every day we just waste the oil. Every day we spend it on ourselves. Every day we just live on it and we don't pay the debt. It's another day lost. We'll all get to heaven, but every day can be redeemed as well. 
that day can be rewarded. That day was useful. You did something to reach the lost person. Every day can be saved for eternity. I just really believe the Spirit of God, like a blanket, is falling in this place on every heart. It's a big blanket, friend. The Bible says when the sheep fell in Peter's room, it didn't fall in his house. It didn't say it fell in his yard. It says it covered the earth. It's a lot of room in the blanket. God wants a lot of people to, gather, to be gathered, to be comforted, to be helped, to be called to him from every nation. So I wonder if, as we close, maybe we can stand this morning, and I want to just pray. I believe God, the Holy Ghost, will just come afresh upon people here today. The outpouring of the Spirit of God is not so we can, just so we can prophesy and feel good, but it's to reach not just the Muslim, but the neighbor and the friend next door, the atheist, the rugby player, the guy who's not yet in the sheet, in the ark. The Spirit of God, today we're asking, Lord, that you could fall on us afresh. Lord, that there wouldn't be days that we'd waste, that we could redeem every day where we'll pay the debt. Somehow we can do something to show love to somebody to tell them about Jesus or to live like Jesus, to preach righteousness or do acts of righteousness, to do good, to somehow touch them with the love of God. Holy Spirit, would you come? And would you just fill every waiting vessel in this place? Every vessel, Lord, because we want to be disciple makers, witnesses for Christ in this tragic hour, in this difficult hour. God, it may not be lots of words to say. It may just be lots of love to give, time to sow. Help us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Falling in our hearts today afresh. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In the midst of our comfort, Help us to comfort others. Help us to bring others closer to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Pastor Glenn. Awesome. Let's just give Jim a hand. That was an amazing word. Thank you, Pastor Jim. So good. I just want to um, just keep this uh, space here right now, just as another opportunity, really, for. Anyone who wants to respond to Jesus, maybe for the first time today, or maybe respond to him again today and go, I want to, I, Jesus, I want to be reacquainted with who you are, your goodness, your grace, your call for my life. And so right now, if you're here uh, today, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know his comfort? Do you feel like when you've reached out and tried to pray at times, it's just like you, you there's a brick wall, there's... You can't get through. Well, I want to tell you that Jesus Christ said that He is the gateway. He's the gateway to the Father. And He, in fact, is the only way to the Father, is what He said. And Jesus wants you. <laughs> he wants everyone to know His goodness. He wants everyone to be a part of His family and His community. And today, 
I want to ask you, do you know Jesus Christ? It's just a response with a simple prayer, just saying, it's, it's, a, it's a faith step, I, I guess it's a faith step, where you acknowledge Him as your, as your leader, as your Lord, as, your, as the giver of life, and where, we, where, where you give your life to Him. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an act of, of going, God, I want to surrender. I want to surrender my regrets. I want to surrender my sin. I want to surrender the hurt in my heart. And I want to embrace the love that you have for me. So if you're here today, just with every eye closed and and head bowed, just right now in this place, if you're here today and you want to know the love of Jesus Christ, you want to know the grace of Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now. And that's just by lifting your hand and saying, yeah, Glenn, that's me. I want to receive Jesus today. I want to receive His grace. I want to receive His mercy. And I want to walk with Him. I want to walk in the call and the purpose that He has for my life. Just lift your hand this morning. If that's you, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. So good. Thank you, Lord. Let's just all say this prayer together and just make this prayer your own, whether you raised your hand or not. Just This is a time just to make this prayer your own. Dear Jesus. I thank you that you see me. And I thank you that you take me as I am. And today I receive your forgiveness. And I receive your love. Come into my heart and lead me in your awesome name. Amen. Awesome. That's so good. Come on. Hey, we're going to wrap up the service there this morning. Um, It's just a a good day to gather, isn't it, in the house of God? And like Deb and I said, Deb and I, Deb and I, yes, that's right, said, (laughs) oh man, I said to Debbie this morning, can you please lead this service? (laughs) She's like, no, you can do a bit. I'm like, okay, thank you. (laughs) We love you guys. We love you guys. We so, you know, the love of God is so revealed through you. And I love the word that Jim brought this morning. And don't we want to be a people who just live with that impulse to go when we see we go? And so I just want to take that and own that and go, yes, this week, come on, come on me. Come on me. Come on, my, come on church. Let's do this. Let's go. Hey, just one last mention. If you want to give uh, to the um, the Muslim people in our community through the church, then make sure that you give in the Give box or or at FPOS or online to Thrive. Or you can actually go online, and there are other funding way, ways of giving uh, as well. But yeah, we're going to be giving as an expression from the Christian community of Christchurch um, to the Muslim people. So yeah, just take a moment just to go, God, how can I be a part of that? Are you asking me to be a part of that? So good. All right. High five your neighbor. Say you've done good and have an amazing week. 